0: Welcome back to Corporate Report Radio. My name is James Evan Pilato, the host and webmaster of MediaMonarchy.com, your source for the Real News Remixed. And this is our second of three guest host slots for the hardest working man in alternative media. That's James Corbett of Corbett Report Radio. And a huge thanks to him for letting us use this slot for FoodWorldOrder.com. We are broadcasting live on RepublicBroadcasting.org. And the number to call is one eight hundred at three one three at ninety four forty three. And for those of you that were here last week, we talked to Julia DeGraw of FoodAndWaterWatch dot org concerning Nestle trying to grab up Oregon water. And we want to keep this local. We want to keep it in in our backyard. And my backyard right now is in the People's Republic of Portland, Oregon. So yet again this week we are going to fo- focus on a a Portland issue, and we're going to get to that. When we come back on the second segment, however, let's, let's take a glance at the breaking news. Police Commissioner Raymond Kelly's statement at a news conference regarding the arrest of a New Jersey man in the 1979 disappearance of Eaton Pats. Wouldn't you know it, 33 years to the day. What are the odds of that? And, of course, it always falls on occult days. As we know, the child kidnapping rings are intimately connected to the New World Order agenda. Hurricane Bud takes aim at Mexico's Pacific coast. Jeffrey Neely, who organized Lavish GSA Conference, that's the General Services Administration, leaves the agency. Egypt elections going on, and so much more going on around the world that we will discuss on my own live radio show. That's every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Revere Radio. And, of course, you can get the podcast and the links and the feeds and all the other shows and all the other amazing media in the kingdom, on the flagship site of MediaMonarchy.com. Some of the other breaking news that will set the table, if you will, for this episode 21 of Food World Order on Corporate Report Radio. U.S. lawmakers probe food contract for troops in Afghanistan. U.S. lawmakers are investigating a billing dispute of at least $750 million between the main supplier of food to U.S. troops in Afghanistan and the Pentagon. Pentagon says Supreme Food Service GmbH overcharged it, but the Netherlands-headquartered company said the rates were properly based on the complexities and dangers of supplying food in war-ravaged Afghanistan. The Republican leaders of a House of Representatives panel have written to the company as well as the Pentagon's Defense Logistics Agency demanding information and documents within 10 days about the dispute on a contract dating to 2005, That so far has cost US suckers, I mean taxpayers, five and a half billion with B dollars. Meanwhile, Associated Press reporting food stamp fraud raising concerns in government offices food stamp recipients are ripping off the government for millions of dollars by illegally selling their benefit cards for cash sometimes even in the open on ebay or craigslist and then asking the government for replacement cards. so a couple of million dollars for food stamp fraud or five and a half billion for military industrial food fraud we're going to get into human in portland when back on Corbett Report Radio, my name is James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. This is the resistance. This is a Corbett Report Radio, and my name is James Evan Pilato, your host and webmaster of the site and show MediaMonarchy.com, the Real News Remixed. And this is the second of three of our guest hosting slots for James Corbett while he is on vacation. Last week, we had Oregon Water Watch, and I warned you that it may get a lot grosser this time. Iron man Adam Campbell in Nova Scotia has been a huge help. Posting and writing on foodworldorder.com and that's really always been my idea about the media monarchy kingdom is to bring people in to help run and write for the sites, whether that's about food, whether that's about technology, whether that's about the occult or media or film or music, any of those things. I, I love them all and I love to share information with people. It's always, it's always been my passion. Adam in Nova Scotia also has his own site. And the article we are going to get into right here is posted originally on gutbrainmanipulation.blogspot.com. And you may recall that title coming from one of the first articles we took from Adam Campbell on Food World Order. Biosolids, Part 1. Portland Must Poop, Humanure and the Farmers of 40 Centuries. Since the beginning of life on Earth, the cycling and recycling of essential compounds and nutrients through the ecosystem has played an infinite number of evolutionary roles in the development of the Earth as a whole and to all those living things that inhabit it. The cycles are integral to defining the symbiosis that exists between all evolutionarily persistent biological processes. The six degrees of Kevin Bacon for the natural world, if you will. Everything is connected and yet disconnected via our earthly environment. As evolution advanced, life forms began to affect the Earth's environment. The cycles that had created the conditions from which life sprang slowly began to change and the Earth adapted to new conditions, as did its life forms. Those who couldn't, wouldn't, or didn't adapt died. Waste products from one organism became food or a useful tool for others until what began as a blade of grass or a bird was consumed by thousands of organisms in a long chain of biological environmental degradation to its useful parts in return to the environment via defecation or death to be reused as building blocks for more life. Such are the cycles of life-giving compounds and elements. Some are cycles of seconds, matters, minutes, rather, or hours, and others billions of years, but all play important roles in providing for life on Earth, whatever form that may take. Both fortunately and unfortunately, we as human beings now find ourselves in a technological position which allows us to have effects on our environment far beyond what the evolutionary action of plants filling the atmosphere with oxygen could accomplish in a similar time period. Technology and greed have quickened the pace and expanded the breadth of the potential effects living beings can have on our environment and all the other life forms in it. The old cultural practices of survival that have sustained communities for centuries are no longer as valued or as valid as they once were, and some of those practices have become dangerous in a world that does not understand their usefulness, importance, and modes of action or itself and its maladies. The persistence of the cultural practice of the dumbing down and collectivization of individuals through the public school system and media have helped ensure the collective apathy and ignorances that surround these issues." For 40 centuries, people and communities in the Eastern world found ways to recycle food, animal, and human remains in a safe and sanitary way. Those who worked the land for a living recognized some of the cycles that existed in their local environment and began to use those cycles to their advantage, creating and refining methods for the optimal use of their limited resources in a harsh world. The recognition that where animals defecated, things eventually grew was a major leap forward in the cultivation of food crops, and the more you understood those principles, the better your cultivation skills and the easier life became. The cycling of crop nutrients has been an obsession for the farming community, but since its discovery that obsession, that obsession, has forked into multiple paths, including burning, composting, and biodynamic composting, Non-composting petroleum based fertilizers and the use of biosolids to divert urban sewage from rivers, oceans, and landfills back into fields for production. These paths all have positive and negative consequences to their use as fertilizer for human food production when applied improperly or without due diligence or caution. Let's define and contrast two terms, compost, the organic plant and animal matter that has been decomposed by organisms in the environment and recycled as a fertilizer and soil amendment. Depending on what the starting materials are and what you plan to apply it to, compost can contain most, if not all, of the building blocks needed for healthy plants, soils, environments, and humans. Composting is the process in which living organisms and the heat produced consume, break down, and sterilize potentially hazardous organic materials into a useful, safe resource for farms, gardens, and therefore human life. Biosolids is a public relations term for sludge, which refers to the residual, semi-solid material left from industrial and sewage wastewater treatment processes, whereby the public is sensitized to the idea of feces and encouraged to use centralized sanitary disposal systems, which have experts that will deal with problems so you don't have to. The waste streams for useful, non-useful, and dangerous waste are combined at the input of the system by the users and transported to a central treatment facility where expensive, complicated technological solutions are employed to then attempt to separate the aforementioned useful, non-useful, and dangerous waste in order to lessen the impacts of urban life on the environment. In the Western world, feces has for a long time been stigmatized and diverted from the compost stream, originally into rivers and oceans, then landfills out the window and onto the sidewalks, was on its way to the Thames if you were a Londoner in the 18th century, and now to centralized treatment facilities where waste is divided into that which is safe to be dumped into the rivers and oceans, and that which isn't and ends up in landfills or on farms in the form of sludge, a.k.a. biosolids. But this wasn't always the case. For centuries, people dealt with their own waste in their own communities, on their own land, or through agreement to use another person's land safely and beneficially for all the parties involved. In 1909, American agronomist F.H. King toured China, Korea, and Japan, studying traditional fertilization, tillage, and general farming practices. He wrote his observations and findings in the book, Farmers of Forty Centuries, or Permanent Agriculture in China, Korea, and Japan, published in 1911. This may have been the last generation doing it properly, for not long after industrialization and modernization began speeding up its creep into the East. In Chapter 9, The Utilization of Waste... F.H. King presents his observations regarding the recycling of human and animal fecal matter on farmland and the logic that led the people of China, Korea, and Japan to adopt and maintain such practices in contrast to how the Western world began and continues to deal with the same social issue. In one passage, King relays the sentiments of Dr. Arthur Stanley, health officer of the city of Shanghai, in his annual report for 1899, in which he states, quote, Regarding the bearing on the sanitation of Shanghai, of the relationship between Eastern and Western hygiene, it may be said that if prolonged national life is indicative of sound sanitation, the Chinese are a race worthy of study by all who concern themselves with public health. While the ultra-civilized Western elaborates destructors for burning garbage at a financial loss and turns sewage into the sea, the Chinaman uses both for manure. He wastes nothing while the sacred duty of agriculture is uppermost in his mind. And in reality, recent bacterial work has shown that fecal matter and house refuse are best destroyed by returning them to clean soil where natural purification takes place. The question of destroying garbage, I can, I, I think, can under present conditions in Shanghai be answered in a decided negative. While well, to adopt the water carriage system for sewage and turn it into the river whence the water supply is derived, would be an act of sanitary suicide. It is best, therefore, to make use of what is good in Chinese hygiene, which demands respect, being as it is the product of an evolution extending from more than a thousand years before the Christian era. End quote. It certainly sounds like sane ideology when compared to our current system, or its historic and ideological parent, that of 18th century England, as described by Tobias Smollett in 1771. He wrote, quote, If I would drink water, I must quaff the mawkish contents of an open aqueduct exposed to all manner of defilement, or swallow that which comes from the River Thames, impregnated with all the filth of London and Westminster." Human excrement is the least offensive part of the concrete, which is composed of all the drugs, minerals, and poisons used in mechanics and manufacture, enriched with the putrefying carcasses of beasts and men, and mixed with the scouring of all the wash tubs, kennels, and common sewers within the bills of mortality. These historical accounts give an eerily similar description of the current state of society surrounding food production and safety, as well as fecal and waste disposal. They juxtapose the ideologies that underlie that which we currently do and that which has sustained human life for thousands of years. What's more disturbing is that modern civilizations have taken both of these ideas and combined them and combined them into a regulated industry, much worse than the centralized mixed waste disposal alone. Add to this the trend towards Corporatist fascism, including poor state regulation of industries it owns and benefits from in governments around the world, and you have a recipe for a human excrement food-related disaster. Now, that essentially is the first half of this piece. Biosolids, part one. Portland Must Poop, Humanure, and the Farmers of 40 Centuries. When we return from our upcoming break in just a moment... We'll get into the second part of this article that, again, is an exclusive to Food World Order posted to gutbrainmanipulation.blogspot.com, and it comes from our man Adam Campbell in Nova Scotia, who himself has taken a little bit of a break as well, as everyone should do. We note oftentimes, remember to enjoy yourself. That's ultimately why we're fighting for these things and trying to spread the word about this kind of information and as I said, I have a passion to share information. I come from a radio and theatrical sound design background in my home state of West Virginia. And I essentially just turned the, the radio and theater sound design and love for music and media into the alternative media and flipped it around into being something connected to the news and sharing it with you, because many hands make light work. We'll be back on Corbett Report Radio. Stay tuned. Back to report. James of MediaMonarchy.com, the guest host for the second of three guest host slots on Corporate Report Radio. And we order from the menu of FoodWorldOrder.com. All the information, all the sources cited, you can all find on FoodWorldOrder.com. Let's continue with the original piece on gutbrainmanipulation.blogspot.com. It's called Biosolids Part 1, Portland Must Poop, Humanure, and the Farmers of 40 Centuries. Back in the modern world, it's recognized that Portland, Oregon, is a beer and foodie paradise with no shortage of brew pubs, restaurants, and food trucks. However, all that gut-brain-driven consumption that we all love to partake in means a lot of strain on Portland's sewers and treatment plant, which produces 15,000 tons of biosolids annually, all of which ends up on the fields of neighboring farms. These fields are then often used to grow food for livestock and people, both locally and abroad. At first glance, it would seem as though Portlandia had read King's Farmers of 40 Centuries, and maybe they have, and took it upon themselves to begin reviving the old practices with new technology. But what's missing from this discussion is that the sewage isn't just feces. It's a mixture from millions of sources, ranging from toilets, sinks, and bathtubs to a laundry list of industry and urban waste. The feces, if it could be separated, is itself a toxic mess of freak genetics, chemicals, and additives. The water is awash with hormones, pharmaceuticals, and industrial byproducts. So as you can see, the biosolids industry isn't starting with high-quality raw materials, as was the case in China 40 centuries ago. At this point, it's convenient to define another word, humanure, which is a term that was coined in the 1990s by Joseph Jenkins to define the use of composted human excrement for agricultural purposes, a use that had since the 1880s, when microorganisms were connected with the spread of disease, been demonized for spreading diseases that could cause another plague. However, since the 1880s, the mechanisms through which composting renders human feces safe for use in food production and contact have been discovered. This term also describes the means used by farmers for centuries as described in King in his Farmers of 40 Centuries. But in King's time, it didn't need its own terminology. People understood that it worked, not necessarily how it worked, and the practice was lumped in with all manures and compostable materials. It was all considered a resource to be saved and used. Humanure and biosolids are completely different things and should not be confused. Today, social constructs and cultural themes, for whatever reason, have been conditioned, have conditioned us rather, to mentally divide our feces from that of other organisms, which has pushed societal development in the direction of waste where what could be a useful tool for society instead becomes a detriment to all living things. Governments' technocratic control of the industry with the help of media and schooling have conditioned the majority of the people in the world to believe that scientists know what is best because they follow the infallible scientific method, nudging society along the lines of the zeitgeist movement's scientific socialist utopia. Currently, people have deferred their own judgment to that of a scientific dictatorship. Science is now deciding what is safe for them to eat, drink, breathe, and, therefore, crap. As if science was a perfect formula for truth. As if science hadn't, in the past and present, been bought, fudged, faked, and corrupted. As if the scientists themselves hadn't gone through the same conditioning in government schools towards the same ends. Control. As if science had never been wrong, and pharmaceuticals, industrial chemicals, and governments had never been maimed, injured, or killed anyone. As if experts had never before led the world astray. As if science, like everything else in the world, can't be used for right and or wrong, good and or evil, love and or hate, truth and or deceit, liberty and or slavery. Composted manure has been the lifeblood of farming for longer than recorded history will allow us to remember. And it has, for this time, also been a safe and effective means of increasing agricultural production while minimizing waste and wasted resources. Humanure has a history just as long and just as safe as animal manure. However, as long as humans continue to eat unhealthy, toxic, genetically foreign foods and drink liquids full of hormones, pharmaceuticals, and toxins... Humanure manure will equally be as toxic as the animal manure used in conventional farming. And as long as humans continue to maintain centralized mixed sewage systems, biosolids will continue to be the worst option for agricultural fertilization. Part 2 of biosolids will discuss the specifics of what is actually in the things you put in your mouth, what flows through the sewers, what's in the biosolids that go onto the fields for food production, and why these issues should matter to you, the consumer. And I believe they do. And I believe that's why you're listening to this. And as has been said, if you're listening to this, you are part of the resistance. That article, Biosolids, Part 1, Portland Must Poop, Humanure, and the Farmers of 40 Centuries, again, is an original piece from our man Adam Campbell in Nova Scotia, writing original pieces, and posting other news stories on foodworldorder.com. But that article is on his own website, gutbrainmanipulation.blogspot.com. My name's James Evan Poato. I'm from mediamonarchy.com. I call it the Real News Remixed. And I'm guest hosting Corbett Report Radio here on republicbroadcasting.org. If you want to give us a call, 1-800-313-9443, we can get you up and on the air. For the remainder half of this Food World Order, Episode 21, we'll get into all the news stories on foodworldorder.com. My friends, stay tuned. This is Corby Report Radio on republicbroadcasting.org. Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Gentlemen, to Corporate Report Radio, broadcasting live on RepublicBroadcasting.org. My name is James Evan Pilato, your host and webmaster from the site MediaMonarchy.com. The Real News Remixed and we are guest hosting Corbett Report Radio for James Corbett while he takes the rest of May off. Longtime listeners to Corbett Report Radio will know, for better or worse, this is the part Thursday night on the second half of the show where we launch into all the stories from foodworldorder.com, one of the numerous sites in the media monarchy kingdom. And it's an easy transition. We discussed Portland issues in the first half and we'll transition to a piece from Salem News. Oregon prepares to just say no to GMO. Health-conscious Oregonians are mounting a campaign to demand that GMO foods be labeled as such. The group behind this effort has a website, oregonrighttono.org They have one month to gather enough signatures to place this issue on the state-side ballot this coming November. The group advises that by early June, which is coming quite soon, Oregonians will be able to go to the website and download a signature sheet to sign and mail back to the organizers. They ask that you download several and get the signatures of your friends, family, and mail them back by the end of June. 100,000 signatures are needed by the filing date of July 2nd to get it onto the November ballot. The website, and again, that's OregonRightToKnow.org, The website also has a link to sign up as a volunteer. Organizers say if we miss passing it this year, future efforts will be buried in big money from the corporations who profit from the GMO process. This will translate into a mountain of misinformation and large advertising budgets for TV and mail campaigns to confuse the general public. For this reason, it is urgently important to get the signatures in past this sooner rather than later. The 2012 ballot initiative for labeling GMO foods as Oregon prepares to just say no to GMO. And that site is OregonRightToKnow.org. You can read about the initiative on that site. Oregon consumers have the right to know whether or not the food they purchase was produced using genetic engineering. Genetic engineering of plants and animals often causes unintended consequences manipulating genes and inserting them into organisms is an imprecise process the results are not always predictable or controllable and they can lead to adverse health or environmental consequences fifty countries including the european union and japan have laws mandating that genetically engineered foods be labeled but the united states does not have such a requirement Public opinion polls indicate that over 90% of American voters support the labeling of genetically engineered foods. The Oregon Right to Know Genetically Engineered Food Initiative follows in the footsteps of the current California initiative, LabelGMOs.org, and is joined by similar legislation efforts earlier this year in Vermont and Connecticut. All four, including ours here in Oregon, strive to address the lack of GMO labeling and consumer knowledge by requiring that, one, processed foods that contain GMO-derived ingredients be labeled as containing genetically engineered food. Two, foods about to come on the market that are wholly themselves a genetically modified organism, corn on the cob or salmon, be clearly labeled as genetically engineered. The labeling, advertising, and marketing of genetically engineered foods using terms such as natural, naturally made, naturally grown, or all natural is misleading to consumers, and therefore GMO products cannot be labeled as such. There is a PDF so you can download and read the full text of the initiative that's on GMO Free Oregon, and again, so much more as we try and mount this move. As we talked about last week with the Nestle trying to grab Oregon water situation, it's not just happening in my backyard. I can focus on those things, and I can tell you about those things because I hear about them. I see them. They're on our local media. They're in our local alternative press, the Willamette Week and the Portland Mercury and the Portland Tribune and and so many other outlets. And if these things are happening here, in as we joked last week, the, you know, hipster amusement park and and environmental policies run amok and insufferable portland is the weekly standard gave us give us a cover story several weeks ago but if these things are going on here you can probably bet your booty they're going on where you are as well some of the other things on foodworldorder.com big pharma drugs cause bone fractures that they claim to prevent Nearly six years ago, a writer for the New York Times, Brody, discussed what was then a little-known problem associated with long-term use of bisphosphonates, the valuable drugs that protect against fractures caused by bone loss. The drugs, among them Fosamax, Actonel, and Boniva, can slow bone loss, increase bone density, and cut fracture rates in half when... (laughs) cut fracture rates in half in women with established osteoporosis. Reports had begun to emerge that some women taking biophosphonates for many years suffered an unusual fracture of the femur, the long bone of the thigh. There was little or no trauma. In most cases, the women were simply standing or walking when the femur snapped in half. In some cases, breaks occurred in both thighs, and many of the fractures were unusually slow to heal. Experts think the fractures happen because of the way the drugs work, by slowing the rate of bone remodeling, the normal process by which injured bone heals. As a result, microfractures that occur through normal wear and tear are not repaired. Although bone density may be normal, the bone can become brittle and crack under minor stress. That's just a little piece from Jane E. Brody writing for the old great lady. That's the New York Times. And there's a whole other piece that we'll get into tomorrow and play the entire clip on the live show from Media Monarchy. It'll be episode 259. And, again, you can listen live with the links off of MediaMonarchy.com, Twitter.com slash MediaMonarchy, and we broadcast live on Revere Radio. Medication that's supposed to prevent bones to break and bones to loss actually causes the fractures you can see that in so many of the fantastic things that the pharmaceutical industrial complex brings us and it's yet another example of let's not address the core issues and the core causes of things let's throw a bunch of money at them after it blows up in our face From naturalnews.com, Superbug Malaria Mosquitoes Becoming Resistant to Insecticides. The unmitigated spread of malaria in many parts of the world is very serious, particularly throughout Africa, where more than half a million individuals, many of whom are young children, reportedly die every year from infection. But insecticide-laced mosquito nets, aerial sprayings, and other chemical-based intervention methods have literally spawned an entirely new breed of superbug mosquitoes that no longer respond to these so-called solutions. A study published last year, for instance, found that in one area of Senegal, a country on Africa's western coast, superbug malaria mosquitoes emerged almost immediately after bed nets treated with deltamethrin, a pyrethyroid insecticide, were introduced there pyrethroids i may be mispronouncing that p y r e t h r o i d s pyrethroids perithroids perhaps have been the insecticides of choice for most health agencies and yet they are now being shown to be a complete failure you can read more from naturalnews.com or even go to nets for life africa Dot .org Superbug malaria mosquitoes becoming resistant to insecticides From superbugs to superfoods that heal from the realfoodchannel.com 10 or rather the top 10 cancer fighting foods Often the foods we eat play as large a role in our health as the foods we eliminate from our diets at grasschecktv.com, they've pointed out many of the dangers of food additives, artificial sweeteners, and things to avoid. And the realfoodchannel.com explores food in another way. Most of us have heard that certain foods have cancer-fighting properties. What's the secret of those foods? Which foods will have the greatest impact? Superfoods That Heal, the top 10 cancer-fighting foods, also has a clip that you can go check this post out on foodworldrunner.com and we'll include that on the Real News Remixed live tomorrow on MediaMonarchy.com. From MedPageToday.com and Cattle Network, junk food isn't cheaper than healthy food. It doesn't cost any more to eat healthy food than it does to eat junk food, a government study found casting doubt on the popular belief that many people can't afford healthful foods. The study, released Wednesday by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Economic Research Service, found that foods like beans, carrots, milk, and yogurt are actually less expensive than ice cream sandwiches, cinnamon buns, and sodas. Most Americans' diets fall short of federal recommendations, especially when it comes to whole grains, low-fat dairy products, and fruits and veggies. Some nutrition researchers and food writers blame cost, saying fruits and vegetables and other healthy foods are more expensive than less healthy ones. And on a per-calorie basis, that's true. Calorie-sparse fruits and vegetables cost more than a donut, and skim milk costs more than whole. But is price per calorie the only way to think about a food's cost? More on that from Cattle News Network, and we also have links to the PDF from the USDA, from the Economic Research Service of the USDA. Junk food, not cheaper than healthy food. The other bit from MedPage today, continuing from the ice cream sandwiches and cinnamon buns and soda, One reason that many people assume junk food is more affordable is because many studies that compare the cost of unhealthy foods with healthy ones use a cost per calorie as a measurement. By this metric, vegetables and fruits are relatively more expensive ways to consume food energy, i.e. calories, because they don't contain many calories, whereas less healthy foods, also called moderation foods, which tend to be high in saturated fat and sugar, are a cheaper way to consume a lot of calories. For their study, the USDA researchers looked at calorie content but also compared the prices of more than 4,000 healthy foods and moderation foods based on price by weight and portion size. The researchers used dietary recommendations from the federal government's ChooseMyPlate.gov website and identified healthy foods as those that contain at least one of the major food groups, vegetables, fruits, grains, dairy, and protein, and contain only moderate amounts of saturated fats, added sugars, and sodium. The study found that by portion size, the cheapest food to eat is grain, followed by dairy, vegetables, fruit, protein, and moderation foods. I love that. I've never heard that before. That's probably what the late, great George Carlin would call euphemistic language. Continuing through foodworldorder.com from mercola.com, organic Watergate, synthetics found in organic foods, Research by the Cornucopia Institute reveals disturbing evidence showing that large corporate interests have infiltrated the process and that the rules put in place to maintain organic integrity are severely compromised. One of the first products the Cornucopia Institute looked at was carrageenan, C-A-R-R-A-G-E-N-A-N, carrageenan, with the link to Wikipedia for you. Like most people in the industry, the initial belief was that it was a natural and and it was natural and benign, since it comes from seaweed. However, as it turns out, carrageenan is an inflammatory agent tied to serious intestinal disease and is even categorized as a possible carcinogen, with a link to a report on physiology.org. So just how did it get approved for use in organic foods? For the answer to that question, you'll have to check out the video, which... Yet again, we will provide and we will play as we mix it in to the Real News remixed on Media Monarchy. We finally reach now on foodworldorder.com the collection of headlines from the past week, things that didn't make their own posts, and things that we have collected on our Twitter feed. And you can use it too, hashtag foodworldorder, and I encourage you to. The binge and purge, nano polio palm peru and more white house blocking epa efforts to issue rules on nanomaterials the white house appears to be blocking epa efforts to tighten oversight of engineered nanoscale pesticides and other chemicals according to environmental and safety advocates richard dennison a senior scientist with the environmental defense fund told bna news bna.com on may 23rd that he spoke with epa officials who have told him they don't expect any regulations for engineered nanoscale pesticides or chemicals to be approved by the white house office of management and budget my understanding is that there's a view in some circles in the white house that they do not want to stigmatize nanomaterials nor stifle the technology even by requiring the reporting of information that epa needs to make judgments as to whether there are risks does that sound familiar Continuing the Benjin Purge, cases of non-polio paralysis rise after polio vaccination drive. Surprise, surprise. Again, more from brasschecktv.com. You can go check out a video, and again, we'll play it tomorrow. Federal judge rules General Mills is allowed to mislead consumers about fruit products that contain no fruit. Fruit roll-ups and other manufactured fruit snacks by General Mills do not contain real fruit, but that's okay, said a federal judge ruling in a lawsuit seeking an end to the misleading advertising. Bay Area mother Annie Lamb filed a class action case last fall against General Mills, arguing that the company was deceiving consumers by claiming its fruity snacks included actual fruit ingredients. U.S. District Judge Samuel Conti seemed to agree with the plaintiffs when he made his ruling last week, Conti wrote, a reasonable consumer might be surprised to learn that a substantial portion of each serving of the fruit snacks consists of partially hydrogenated oils and sugars. Conti also said General Mills had used deceptive language in claiming its products were made with real fruit. But, he added, the company did not violate the law because the Nutrition, Labeling, and Education Act allows companies to say something contains specific fruit flavoring when, in fact, it does not contain a fruit. A product may be labeled as fruit-flavored or naturally flavored, even if it doesn't contain fruit or natural ingredients. So long as that product contains natural flavor, which is derived from the characterizing food ingredient, it will not run afoul of the regulation, Conti said in the decision. While the regulation's logic is troubling, the court is bound to apply it. Federal judge rules General Mills is allowed to mislead consumers about fruit products that contain no fruit, Continuing the binge and purge on foodworldorder.com, Federal Trade Commission judge rules pomegranate juice maker used deceptive ads. That's Palm wonderful Meanwhile, shareholders and top doctors demand McDonald's assess its health impacts. All that and so very much more will continue the remaining ten or so headlines on the binge and purge posted as we speak to the top of foodworldorder.com and this is Corbett Report Radio. A our minds, red tape to keep the truth confined. Right here, live on republicbroadcasting.org. Anytime we can have the Smiths bring us back into the show, I'm stoked. Foodworldorder.com at the top of the page right now. Binge and Purge, Nano, Polio, Palm Peru, and more. Finishing off the Binge and Purge. Farley's and Sathers and Ferrara Pan Seal Merger. Those are the guys that make the candy that you see hanging on the pegboard. That are kind of dusty, and it's like the Boston baked beans and the cinnamon bears and the orange slices. Want great coffee for less? Take matters into your own hands. This story has been gaining more DIY coffee roasting. And there it is from Etocracy on CNN. Obama's African food aid plan opens the door to the biggest agribusiness companies. That's right Monsanto, Dow, DuPont, and all our friends that are part of the eugenical agenda to call the useless eaters the voice judge and black-eyed p will i am goes to oxford university climate change debate in his very own gas guzzling helicopter more on fukushima forever meanwhile utah judge says streams are public assets but access still a question fourth case of flesh-eating bacteria in georgia Flesh-eating bacteria struck a Milledgeville man. More on that from WLTZ.com as the strange accelerations of all of these things that seem to come from a lab are coming for us. Seven kids die after being bitten by bats in Peru, and Gulf fishermen reel from seafood troubles. That last bit on the Gulf oil spill and the seafood troubles, to put it lightly, Has a clip, and we'll play that tomorrow on episode 259, broadcast live on Revere Radio from MediaMonarchy.com. We'll get into all the memes, all the media, the Bin Laden film with Catherine Bigelow and the Facebook IPO, all the things on cyberspace war and holy hexes. And I also want to tell you, we do a music show. It's called Pump Up the Volume, and you can get the link off our Twitter page, twitter.com slash MediaMonarchy, and it's all brand-new music, songs that I haven't even heard, and i love to share it with you. Because, again, I come from a college radio background. I'm passionate about film and, and music and the arts, if you will, and I love using those as a lens to look at the current events and the things that we see. And we can look in the news today to see the biggest story in the world is an arrest and the disappearance of a child 33 years ago today. And we see that the Pakistan doctor who helped run the phony vaccination DNA scheme to get, quote-unquote, Osama, has been given 33 years in prison in Pakistan. It's those kind of memes and synchromistic situations that we get into on Media Monarchy We've got the solar events, inner space, outer space, all those things, and so much more. And I try and put them together in an amazing, hopefully informative, infotaining package for you. MediaMonarchy.com, The Real News Remixed. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the second of three guest host spots from yours truly, this charming man, James Evan Pilato, from MediaMonarchy.com, The Real News Remixed. Next week, we'll be back for our third and final guest host slot, covering all the issues in food, environment, and health on foodworldorder.com. I thank you so much. I thank you for supporting this show, for help spreading the word about Food World Order, as well, newworldnextweek.com, the weekly series from myself and James Corbett at corbettreport.com, will return in June. I appreciate it. Like Joe Biafra said, don't hate the media, become the media. Take care, my friends. This has been Episode 21 of Food World Order on Corby Report Radio, broadcasting live on republicbroadcasting.org. Take care.